Hello and welcome back to the Bird's Eye View podcast. We are here after a slight holiday hiatus. I'm Zach Warden and Jordan Egan Schechter and Jake Brennan not with us today. So we had to get the best pinch hitter in the business, Tyson Shushkowicz. Thanks so much for uh, hopping on, man. Really appreciate the time. Yeah, no problem. No problem. Enjoy, always enjoy coming on. So. so Tyson, we have been away for a while, so we haven't gotten into the latest with the Blue Jays, the Kevin Kiermaier signings, Isaiah Connor falafa So I guess just kind of getting back into it here for us, what did you take away from those signings, kind of the timing behind them and and what we can take away from a, a big picture of them leaning into to kind of going back to this this pitching and defense thing so early in the offseason? Yeah, definitely. I think when you look at, you know, the first signing, Kevin Kiermaier, it was, it was almost like, I don't know if safe is the right word, but it, it almost felt that way just because the need for a player like Kiermaier kind of wasn't there, right? Like, Dalton Varsho could have easily moved over into center field. You know, Kiermaier is one of the better defensive center fielders in the game. He proved that again last year, right? And I think what it kind of comes down to is, A, a they really liked what they saw, obviously, in that for, in that one year, whether that was on, you know, just on the field, off the field, everything in between. They really like his defense, which the Jays were all in on last season, even though it didn't really pan out. And then the Jays also... I think really like his left-handed bat at the bottom of the lineup. He was, you know, he was able to make different plays. He was really able to put himself in the lineup. And the only thing that I think kind of you have to caution on is was that bad a bit of an outlier and like career-wise a little bit, right? Like he, he kind of outperformed, but he was coming off a season where, you know, with the Rays, he was, he was kind of shut down. He, he had, you know, battled injuries and this year was kind of a bit of a prove it. And I don't know the, the deal itself like Kiermaier is is what he is, right? He's a defensive-minded player first, kind of hits a little bit to make up for it, but it didn't really solve what the Jays were looking for, but it does make the team better, right? Having Kiermaier on the squad does make the team a better a better team overall, right? Yeah. The only drawback is, does that signing take away from another signing? Now, we don't know in the long run. You know, they also added Isaiah Kiner for Leffa, which doesn't really have, like here, signing Kiermaier had no impact really on that. Right. So it really overall, when you break it down from the aspects of what the Jays were looking for, it just didn't really fill the hole, but it also doesn't take away. Right. They still need to go and do things, but having him on the roster at either in a platoon scenario or taking a majority of the reps in center field is not a bad thing for the squad. It just means that the Jays still have to do more to fill the holes that they were looking for. Right. So I'm kind of curious what, what your take is on just the, obviously they, they make the signing puts Dalton Varsho in left field for the majority of, of, of the time. And it, it almost does kind of feel like, you know, there was obviously the Cody Bellinger rumors and everything like that. Um, taking away from, I would say maybe like a splashy outfield addition. What do, what are your thoughts on them kind of choosing to go with the Kiermaier route instead of maybe swinging big with it, with a Bellinger or maybe a Yelich or kind of somebody a little bit more of a, uh, a bopper, I guess, to to fill in the gaps in the outfield. Yeah, I think I when you look at the Blue Jays offseason so far, right? Like you have the Shohei Otani saga that kind of took away from what their plans were. You could cut you, like you said, the kind of pivot towards Bellinger, maybe some trade scenarios have kind of popped up, even though there's really nothing kind of behind it too much, right? But at the same time, when you look at this Blue Jay squad, even with Ross Atkins' recent press conference, right, they kind of are saying, you know, this is the team we want to go with. 
we know we offensively need to add one, two bats, right? Which which tells you they're probably not going to go for Bellinger. They're probably not bringing Chapman back. They're probably going for like a J.D. Martinez, a Reese Hoskins, a corner outfielder, Jorge Soler, maybe for a multi-year deal, right? Like it's it's an interesting offseason, right? Because a lot of players that fit that need are still available, right? And they have veteran backgrounds. They have... You know, Blake Snell's is still out there, which is a bit crazy going into this year, right? Even though, you know, a couple of them are Scott Boras clients and this is kind of what they like to do. Like, it's still kind of crazy to think that some of these key players that they could really add to their team are still here. So that's the benefit of it all is, is you know, adding Kiermaier, again, like I mentioned earlier, makes this team better because he is a good player, right? But they still need to fill the holes and... Whether that is maybe, you know, Ross Atkins was playing his, you know, keeping his cards close to his chest and they do find a way to to sign Dellinger, great, right? It's a huge offseason signing, especially since the Blue Jays fan base is used to the team over the past four years adding a premium free agent, right? Ryu, Springer, Gosman, Bassett, like all these different players. And this season, we haven't seen that, right? So it's a bit of disappointment, especially how after last season ended. So at the end of the day, the Blue Jays are going to make the moves they think they're going to need, they need to make. They've added, from a coaching standpoint, a lot more, a lot more individuals, right? You know, Don Mattingly has more of a role. They've added DeMarlo Hale. They they called up Matt Haig, who is doing wonders for the Buffalo Bisons, right? So they're putting the personnel there. Now, is it going to be the free agents to come in to add to it? Now, on top of that, what it kind of looks like a little bit, too, is that they're kind of playing the field a little bit. And there's also a possibility the team may, you know, see how things kind of pan out internally first. And then if they find themselves contending, maybe they make a trade deadline acquisition, right? We've seen them do that before in recent years, right? When, you know, they do make a high profile signing, but then they also go out at the trade deadline and go, okay, this is what we need to address. And then that, right? And that I don't think is off the table, although it's a bit risky. Yeah, I actually was going to ask you because you did tweet about that yesterday. They could kind of gamble on internal production and and see where they are by the deadline and see where uh, the the you know, the bounce back situation stands um, as, as far as that stands. I mean, I think that that would probably be a decent um, direction to take as, as far as third base goes, if they decide not to go with Matt Chapman. But in, in terms of that, I mean, like you can, you can hold off and, and maybe the Brewers underperform and you can kind of get a, a Willie Adamas or a JD Davis from San Francisco. If those teams aren't able to perform the way that they want, but how do you evaluate the the risk of going into the season with, with almost what's basically a wait and see approach with, with some of these guys on your own roster that you're not hundred percent sure what you're going to get from in 2024. Yeah, the, when you look at the Blue Jays organization from like a depth point of view, you look at like third base, for example, like you said, Matt Chapman's probably not coming back. They're going to have to find someone internally to do that. The Jays have a few players they can throw there, right? Like Espinal, Biggio, uh, Kiner Falefa. Like there's a couple guys they can throw there. The problem is, is that, again, they don't fulfill what many see is a need, which is the offense, right? They're not big swingers. They don't hit for crazy power. And when you lose a guy like Matt Chapman and, and Brandon Belt, for example, like you're not, you're not making up for it. Now, what you can do is the Blue Jays internally, their their prospect depth, a lot of their guys coming up are known for their bat first mentality, right? Or Elvis Martinez hit like 28 home runs last year between double A AA and triple A. Damiano Palamagiani, who's got a good amount of experience at their base, he hit 20 plus home runs. Like these guys that are coming up, even Addison Barger, it was a good example of too, is, is, you know, a, a bat first kind of player. He's very athletic. He can play it there, but these guys are known for their batting ability. Now, 
if you want to give Santiago Espinal or Biggio a chance at third, right? Like maybe you go into spring training and you have a, you know, you have a competition and say who, whoever comes out of this is, is who we want to roll with. Or maybe you roll with a platoon, right? Kind of bluff on and, and Biggio just for the lefty righty matchups. There's a couple different ways you can go about this. The difficulty of it is the off season still going, right? Do they sign Justin Turner? And this is a mute conversation, right? That's totally a possibility now. Personally, I don't see that happening, but again, you never know. It's the offseason, right? We we were, how many, you know, back in 2012, no one expected the huge Marlins trade, right? So I'm not going to say they're going to, the Blue Jays are going to do that, but anything kind of goes in the offseason. There's no such thing as a team leading for deciding a player. Anything can happen, right? So when I think you look at this team, you can hedge. I think the front office appears at least okay with hedging their bets on filling internally in a few different spots because you have a couple guys that are ready to do it like davis schneider or Elvis martinez should be knocking on the door right like barger's up there too he just got hurt last season so but then at the same time you can still fill in like if you want a, a dh right you can go get a jock peterson you can you know if you want to swing for the fences you can go get cody bellinger so for right now you it's it's just tough to picture because there's so many moves the blue jays can make but we haven't seen it right yeah. we just haven't seen the outcome yet specifically looking at the the ikf signing for for you i mean kind of you know they have so many of these types right so it's they bring him in and it kind of seems like a redundant signing based on you know they have kevin biggio santiago espinal david schneider ernie clement they got addison barger relvis martinez kind of on the cusp there um you know it, it seems kind of like you're adding to a spot where you don't necessarily need to add especially if you know if ross atkins was being real in his press conference and saying that they're not looking to actively trade from their roster then you know it, it kind of brings the question why bring in Kiner Falefa to to fill in this role that you can reasonably probably get from from that group of guys but for for you kind of looking at the signing what do you think is the the role that Kiner Falefa can fill where they can get the most out of him yeah definitely I think it, it really depends on what you want from the player do you want defensive stability because if that's the case it's it's third base right like it's it's one of his more prominent positions uh he's got a lot of experience at short that's obviously not happening with Bichette there um he's got he can play the outfield but he's got really not that stellar defensive metrics out there he was a negative ERS player out there you're probably better off having Biggio playing in the corner outfield spots and, instead of him right so I think looking ahead like if the Blue Jays right now went into spring training with the group that they have I think the Blue Jays feel at least comfortable moving with Biggio in the outfield, right? As your as kind of your fourth outfielder with a little bit of first base. Maybe he plays second, but if David Schneider is, you know, David Schneider can handle second at this time, right? He's proven, you know, he had his ups and downs last season, but he's earned the, in my opinion, earned the opportunity to win that starting second base job this year, right? And then you look across the time, you have third base. Well, you do have a couple guys, right? If you want to have, a bit of a competition there, like I said, Clement or Barge or any of these guys that, you know, who want to step up and take that role. But in terms of Kiner Falefa, it just, again, it's it's tough to say because the Blue Jays haven't finished, right? Or in theory, probably haven't finished, right? If they sign Peterson, Kiner Falefa's staying on the infield, right? Like Peterson can play the corner outfield's no problem. Again, he's not the greatest defender, but you probably take him over Kiner Falefa. Kiner Falefa probably stays in the infield, rotates around, and then you can either cement Biggio as a, a Biggio or on the bench as your real utility guy in the outfield as well. If you don't want to put Jock Peterson out there, but it, it, it's just tough, right? It's tough to see where they're really going to cement him. 
and what they really want to focus on, right? Because even at the end of the day, the guy can catch too. This this dude's a versatile, a versatile guy. You can put him almost anywhere, right? So I think looking ahead, if you don't want to cement him at one spot, which the current roster, you kind of you kind of have to put him somewhere like third base or I, I get it. third base is kind of where I mean towards just because if if the, the team has been focused so defense heavy first, they're willing to have a six six to seven hundred OPS bat at the bottom of the lineup, but sacrifice it for defensive stability and then rotate Vigio and Espen all around with whoever's going to be your your DH guy. Right. Like that's that's what it's kind of looking at right now. And unless they make some additions, I kind of don't see that happening and, uh, and changing unless, you know, Bellinger comes in or they sign a third baseman. Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, the the whole conversation, I, I think, with the IKF signing is just based on what they do next. And really, we don't really have any insight into that because Ross Atkins isn't really going to gonna tip his hand realistically <laughs> at, at this point. Um, just, just Never for... has. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, just kind of fun with, you know, they now have two guys that used to catch but don't really catch anymore. Emergency situation comes up next year. Would you rather have IKF or Dalton Varsho slap the pads on back there? Probably IKF because you got you got Biggio and you got Espinal who can who can take reps in the infield, right? If you take Varsho out, you you yeah. you sacrifice a little bit of defense out there, but you're you you're depth behind like Biggio, sure. But I don't know. I'd I'd probably lean towards Kiner Falefa, but because also if Kiner Falefa gets hurt, I'm more okay with that than yeah. Dalton Varsho getting hurt. I'd rather put Dalton Varsho in the lineup. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully it doesn't come to that. <laughs> they have uh, two. You never know. They you got never know. Tyler Heineman, right? So. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I guess kind of looking at at the, the the potential additions. Obviously, Ross did say yesterday that they would most likely be looking to add an outfield DH type. Um, there's there's a lot of them available, and not any. I wouldn't say any particular player that stands out as as a head and shoulders above the rest as as the best player unless you're looking at a Cody Bellinger um from kind of the the secondary group there who is your personal favorite so that would fit the Blue Jays lineup yeah definitely it's a it's a good question um mostly because there is depending on how you look at it there really is a couple guys that could fit in that role I've been a big JD Martinez fan I think a guy with with the veteran pedigree, the bounce back season he had with the Dodgers last year, and just the familiarity he has with the American League East, I think that guy could could really provide some some pop in the lineup, especially just as a full time DH. You know that you're going to get him probably in a short term deal, which is which is fine considering the Blue Jays' you know, competitive playoff window is right now with no extensions for the young core, right? So you're not committing, you know, to a Jorge Soler who you know does have the ability to progress, right? Like he had a good season last year. He's had a couple of bad seasons. He's had a great season back in like 2019 or whatever, where he hit like 40 plus home runs, right? So yeah. you're with JD Martinez, it kind of goes back to the camera signing. You feel comfortable because you know, you're going to get probably 20 plus home runs out of this guy. He's a veteran guy who knows this division. He knows the ballparks you're going to, and you, you expect that from him, right? Like you expect that from him. He's, Gun and you know, you know, postseason experience is there. The only disadvantage is he's a right-handed bat, right? Which the Blue Jays have quite a bit of, even with the Kiermaier signing. So, if you were looking for a righty bat like JD Martinez, my I think is 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 the top option. I think he's also probably the most money committed to, right? I think he probably outweighs Reese Hoskins, who's looking for a bit of a bounce back one-year deal. But if anyone's a big fan of history, like 
bounce back one year deals have worked really well for the Blue Jays. So that's not a bad thing to potentially <laughs> potentially go, right? Like if you want to win an MVP, come sign a one year deal as I am, right? Like come sign a one year deal and we'll find you, right? So I don't know. The the whole right now, it, it seems like the Blue Jays are are move, moving towards Jock Peterson, which, you know, he's not a bad signing in any of the slightest, right? He's the outfield guy who can who can play in the DH spot. The only caveat I think with having Peterson, the P- Peterson signing with the Jays is you still need a right-handed bat because if you have him at the, if he, he is just split stats against lefties are just not there. And if you don't have a righty bat to pinch hit for him late in the game, you're, you're going to be in trouble. Right. And so I don't think you get JD Martinez and Peterson, but if you get Peterson, you got to get at least someone who can swing from the right side to be able to pinch hit. Yeah. I, th- I think JD is really interesting, especially with, you know, it, it, he's reported to, he's going to be a hitting coach one day. He's got to be the way that he's kind of <laughs> influenced the Mookie Betts yeah. is the Raphael Devers, kind of those guys like that. I, you know, I, I, I would be curious to see what he could do with some, some of the Jays hitters and maybe help them out a little bit just with them. Um, you know, Vladdy and, and Kirk and kind of see if he could do anything there. Obviously it sounds like they, they might have some solutions themselves. So we'll, uh, we'll kind of wait and see there, but uh, moving on from the offense, you have written the past couple of days, a couple of pieces with uh, uh, a, more of a focus, maybe on the pitching side. So f- from you up today at, at Jays nation, uh, why Yariel Rodriguez makes sense for the Toronto blue Jays. Um, I, I think he's one of the more interesting pitchers available on the market right now, because obviously they're, there isn't a lot of uh, certainty as to what he is. So I'll, I'll kind of hand it off to you, but, but what about Yariel Rodriguez do you think makes him such, such an ideal fit for, for this Jays pitching staff? Yeah, I think with, with him, it's just, you don't exactly know what you're going to get. And that's not a bad thing, right? Like, you know, I think anyone could probably look up his, his, his previous workings. He went over to Japan. He was, you know, mixed between a starter and a, and a reliever spent some time at their top league and also in their like second tier division. But then when he, you know, 2022, he was a full-time reliever. He was like 1.1 ERA striking guys out like great. Like the dude was just hurling, right? Like he was doing so well. And then the world baseball classic comes around and Cuba has him pitching as a starter and he just continues to do well. Like he pitched against the Netherlands, he pitched in the quarterfinals against Australia and he just, the guy was doing well. He wasn't going crazy deep into games, right? Usually doesn't happen in World Baseball Classic, right? And the only, you know, with him, you, you don't 100% know what you're going to get because A, he's pitching over in Japan as a reliever, and B, he didn't pitch in 2023, right? Like he didn't go back to Japan. He stayed down in the Caribbean. He was in the Dominican training and working out. He didn't throw, right? Like he just was working out and training until he got released, and then the MLB made him a free agent, right? Like, so there's the intrigue of that, but with that sense you can you can tell from his past you know dealings like because he was in cuba he pitched in since he was like since like 18 he's like 26 now like as a professional player in their top league in cuba and he can just be that versatile guy right like he can if he comes into spring training and two starting pitchers get hurt he can go into the rotation if alec mano is absolutely shoving and you're not moving him from the rotation you could put Rodriguez either in, you know, potentially in the minors, depending on his contract is looking, or a, as as that starting depth, or you could move him to the bullpen. He could be a middle relief long guy, right? Like you don't have to have Trevor Richards be that starter opener guy. You can have this this dude be who he is, which we've seen, you know, we've seen for a moment the World Baseball Classic, right? So I think when you look at a guy like Rodriguez who, you know, easy repeatable delivery has a bit of that kind of that abbreviated leg kick, which is uh, what you see from a lot of like Japanese pitchers. 
he he throws mid nineties fastball with just the four pitch arsenal of off speed slider curveball all the all the good stuff you see right so you know it's it's a risky signing right like it's it's not one that's gonna you know it could pan out it could it could very well also blow up in their face right so I think for what it's worth it's not something that the Blue Jays you know shouldn't shy away from right it's a bit of a risky signing but in order to win a World Series sometimes you gotta do these these type of deals right so yeah i think when you look at this jays organization and the starting pitching depth that they have right like you know are they going to have Bowden francis be a starting pitcher or are they going to have him be a bullpen guy are they going to have mitch white be a starting pitcher or bullpen guy you know he's out of options anyway right? like what are you going to do with him so you know tiedemann's i wouldn't say ready to go at the mlb he didn't pitch too much last year and you don't really want to rush him especially since if if manoa you know struggled last year because he kind of ran out of gas like you don't want to do the same thing with Tiedemann. So I think you're looking at a mid-season kind of potential opportunity there if the chips align. But overall, having a guy like Rodriguez is just additional depth for a team that got pretty lucky last year, like knock on wood, with the rotation being pretty healthy, right? And I, moving forward, you can't bank on that. Yeah, I, I think it's a good point that you make about the risk too. Like it's it's a, a move that can really pay off and, and it's it's a really good spot for them to have so much obviously current stability i mean you're you're pitching is stable until it's not but uh but yeah it's, it's a great spot if you bring him in right like you have you you like you mentioned you know you have the ability to put him anywhere and even if it doesn't really work out it's not like you're relying on him to be a top of the rotation or a, a back end of the bullpen guy anyway so so he could emerge into to either of those roles and probably a deal where uh, you know as an unproven starter not uh not quite yamamoto levels but uh, uh more <laughs> more unproven uh could get um as as far as your other piece goes yesterday for just baseball uh next steps for the blue jays sign a brat bring, or sign a bat bring back jordan hicks um i kind of want to get into the jordan hicks thing because he's a guy that i haven't seen a ton about and he's a super interesting free agent case as well because it seems like the jays haven't really had uh you know obviously ross said yesterday that they haven't really looked at the pitching there but but as far as if they're bringing back you know if they're starting ikf at third base and they're bringing back kiermaier's play in center field i mean why not even lean into that pitching and defense even further by adding another jordan hicks type to the back of the bullpen yeah totally i think you know like i said in 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 the article i wrote for just baseball it's still clear the blue jays needed improve their offense right like that's still number 100 they need to find a bat or two to improve this lineup right and then on top of that the blue jays pitching corps last year across the board starters and relievers was really really well like they pitch really well and a lot of that had to do with you know the teoscar hernandez trade. eric swanson did fantastic they got really good production out of jay jackson and, and Bowden francis who split time between right jordan romano was was who he was again he, he pitched pretty well and then you got contributions from everyone across the everyone across the bullpen, right? And you even had you know the scenarios with you know Anthony Bass, Adam Simber, and even Jimmy Garcia, Jimmy Garcia, sorry, who started really poorly and then kind of found a groove towards the end. You know, one of the things when I look back at last season when the Blue Jays traded for Jordan Hicks, right? It was a year where he was was healthy, right? He's he struggled with health in the past, so he was a starter. He became a reliever. You know, he was the kind of guy that fans had never really seen before, right? Like Jordan Romano and, and Jimmy Garcia, they both throw like high 90s fastball. But Hicks throws 102 to 104, which I don't know if anyone's ever stepped in a batting cage. Like 
as much as that's like four to five miles per hour, that's a huge difference, right? Like it's crazy. And to pair that with a, a curveball slider, whatever he, I can't remember what he has off the top of my head, is is bananas, right? Like it's it's crazy. And it, I get it, he's he's a little wild with his command, but when he joined the team, right, some of the Blue Jays bullpen guys were, were struggling, right? Like Trevor Richards ended horribly last year. Um, Jimmy Garcia was a little bit up and down, but some of these bullpen guys were running out a bit, of, running out of gas a little bit. And Hicks was able to come in and kind of help at the back end when the team needed him. Right now, he wasn't the product, predominant closer. Like Jordan Romano was still the guy to go to in the ninth, but you could also go to Hicks. Like that was, you could play that, you know, back and forth depending on who was coming up. Well, did you want a guy facing predominantly the siders? Well, you got Jordan Romano. You want a guy facing predominantly fastballs are going to blow you away. Well, then you got Hicks, right? And I think when you look at this this market and how it's slow moving out of the gate here, I think there is an opportunity where the Blue Jays can get Hicks. I don't want to say team friendly, but at a deal that works within their favor while they still can get offensive production, right? Like they can still go and get one or two bats and then circle back and go, okay, Jordan, like let's let's do another deal. Prove that you can stay healthy for another year. And you'll ink your big time deal, right? Because he again, if you look at his track record, the he's he's he hasn't had it, right? Like he's he's struggled with injuries. He even I think missed the entire season a few years ago. Like having him healthy for a full year will benefit the the team, obviously the Jays in this scenario, and himself because he can prove that hey, I want to be a I can be a closer at the big league level. I throw a hundred and two, and having him on the Jays bullpen. We're a, a bullpen that's a mostly returning this season, right? Other than uh, Jay Jackson and and uh, I can't remember who it is, um, Jordan Hicks, right? <laughs> Hicks. Yeah. Um, other than those two returning, like this is a pretty set bullpen, right? Barring barring injury or trade or anything, right? That when you look at the depth, there is a couple of guys that can slot in there, but Hicks trumps them all, right? Like in my opinion, Hicks is another step above, right? So. He he's just an extra complimentary piece to what would be an already solid bullpen. Yeah, I th- I think it's interesting, kind of the end of the year where it seemed like he was kind of getting the ninth inning opportunities, but we never really got anything confirmed. And obviously, the way the season ended, we didn't really get a chance to see where that was going to fall. So obviously, you know, I I I really like Jordan Mono, and he's one of the best relievers in baseball. But but it's it's unfortunate that we didn't quite to see what John Schneider's thinking was kind of towards the end of the year with, with the ninth inning role there, but between the two of them. Um, so I guess, yeah, I, I have a couple things here. Ross Atkins, uh, Kevin Kiermaier, Isaiah kind they all met with uh, blue Jays media this week. Um, I, we, we have a fun little game, you know, you, <laughs> what is Ross really saying? So I picked out three quotes for, for, from his uh, press conference here for you. And I'm going to get you to try and uh, translate into non Ross Atkins <laughs> speak here. Um, yeah, if you're all right, I'll just kind of fire these at you and we yeah, can go for kind, of, kind, of, kind of see what we think Ross is saying. So the first one, um, you know, I may be a little straightforward, but you know, the, the things I think we're missing aren't people. The things that we were missing were our ability to support to support and help the players. We didn't give Don Mattingly enough of a role last year, and now we don't like what Dave Hudgens did. And so we're going to change that with a guy who worked really well with potentially the internal people that we, we want to bring to the roster. Yeah. Did you, so with, with them bringing up Hag, uh, bringing in obviously Hale kind of more on the defensive side and giving Mattingly the, 
the promotion, I, I guess it is. Do you do you think that that is? I mean, obviously there was, of course, you can't be on Blue Jays Twitter without seeing the the fire Guillermo <laughs> Martinez takes. But um, <laughs> how much do you think that we'll see a difference from from what these coaches um, are, are in in the different roles here? I think it's gonna go either one way really well, or one way really poorly. Yeah, I don't think there's gonna be a middle road. I think you're going to see some guys bounce back after a down year and the likes of Hag and Mattingly and, and Martinez cohesively all work together to achieve this goal. Or you see a regression. All three of them are confusing the absolute hell out of everyone, stepping on each other's toes, and the players are are struggling again, right? Because we can add the Cody Bellingers and the Shohei Otanis in the world, but if Alejandro Kirk, George Springer, Guerrero, all of these guys, you know, perform like they did last season, the Jays probably don't make the playoffs regardless. Yeah. I'm always curious about the, like, you know, the too many cooks in the conversation or too many cooks in the kitchen conversation when it comes to hitting, right? Like how, how are these hitters uh, processing this information? It, you know, it, is that the kind of the, the line of information that Ross Atkins is talking about where the hitting coaches maybe weren't aligned and they're kind of hearing different things from different guys. I'm, I'm kind of curious to see what that communication is going to look like. Obviously we won't be able to tell, but I, I'm going to, I'm interested to see. I, th- I think there's a reason Hudgens got moved to Florida. <laughs> Your hitting strategies got moved. <laughs> yes. I uh, don't, don't disagree there. Um, so this one, I think it's basically whether you believe Atkins is lying or not. And it is, uh, that the Blue Jays are not actively looking to trade off their major league roster. I think they've gotten offers. They most like they've definitely gotten offers. I know for Schneider. I know they've probably got interest on the likes of Bichette and Guerrero. And as you know, I think they're kind of a little conservative based off the trade they made last year for Barsho and, and, and Moreno, where the fan base was not pleased. And right now the fan base is, is not pleased with what's going on. And unless they they really strike a huge deal, they're probably not making a trade unless it's one of their utility guys. Right? Yeah, for sure. That I, I don't see historically like Atkins and Atkins in the front office has made trades. They've done a lot of heavy lifting at the deadline. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, I'll uh, throw you this last one here. I think again, maybe it's uh, it's, it's it's hard to like kind of get pick out the ones where you're like, ah, I, I see saying something else. <laughs> uh, the we feel really good about the team that we have, or which one are you thinking of? You say it, and I'll tell you if it's the one I'm thinking oh, of. Oh, <laughs> I, I have a few pulled out here, but uh, I'm assu- I'm gonna guess that it's not that one. But I I have the one here where it's um. We have plenty of power to drive in runs. It doesn't mean we're not open to adding another power That's bat. One. That's the one. But if you just name four <laughs> or five guys at the top of a lineup, they all drive in runs. They all hit home runs. We have plenty of power. Scott Boris, your clients are being way too demanding. The market's not going your way. Let's make a deal. That's what I think that message is. I think he's holding his cards to his chest yeah. and telling everyone, we feel confident, but underneath the surface we're not afraid to we're not afraid to to make to pull the trigger but we needed to swing a little bit our way and we know even kevin kiermaier said it you know after having a gold glove caliber season and a bounce back campaign the interest in him was was 
not what they were expecting. And I think, I think some players are getting a bit antsy. You know, there's, there's, you know, Matt Chapman and, and Belger are going to get paid, right? Like that's going to happen, right? But there's a lot of borderline players like, you know, the Petersons, the, the Hoskins, those types that probably aren't gaining as much traction as they thought, or teams are being a little bit hesitant, right? So I think he's telling, I think he's telling everyone that, yes, we know our team is good. We know that they, they didn't perform to what we would, we would define as the standard. We're comfortable with them coming back, given the personnel that we've given, but we're willing to make moves, but we're not going to play our hand. And I think Atkins is, is, is toying with them a little bit to go, you know, as much as everyone says, Oh, Atkins never does anything. Like these guys have signed high profile free agents for the last four years, right? The Ryus and everyone. Alex Anthopoulos never brought anyone big like that north of the border. Other than that, it was, you know, Roger Clemens and the, and and the Jose Canseco's and Frank Thomas's of the later ends of their careers, like in the Russell Martin, who's Canadian, right? Like that, that was, that was their, I, I think that was Atkins. But anyways, regardless, it was, it's, it's it's them approaching free agency in the sense that we know what we want, but we also needed to swing our little way a little bit. And because of how the market's going, we're not afraid to gamble. Yeah. It's it's always fun when uh the the thought of the press conferences are always fun and then they come and they happen and you're kind of like, oh well, I we didn't really get all that much. Well, the only problem is this Ross Atkins needs like some PR coaching because <laughs> he's just so robotic. Like I, I get why the fan base is upset. Because he he doesn't approach and I, and I get you know as, as a fan you get frustrated right because you're like you know tell me you're gonna get a bat don't tell me oh we might get one oh we might get two like that's frustrating right like that's not what fans want to hear but there's you hope underneath the surface underlying tactic for why that's happening right but yeah. the dude needs some some coaching <laughs> um as as far as the the, the other ones go I mean Kiermaier counter Falafa was there kind of any I I think. Kiermaier notable saying that he's going to be trying to hit uh, maybe not for more power, but maybe to try and hit the ball harder. Um, was there kind of anything else from, from what either of those two said that, that you kind of took away, uh, took anything away from? Uh, no, not really. Other than Kiermaier saying that his market didn't go like the yeah. way he planned. That was interesting to me because like I said, bounce back guy, goal glove, like one of the best center fielder defensive players out there. And he was getting like platoon options. Like he might still platoon with the Blue Jays, but the Blue Jays like are at least giving him enough hope slash credit that they're gonna play him with majority majority of the reps this year. You know, 120 plus games like he did last year. And I think that was interesting, and I think that's why we kind of saw Ross Atkins, you know, shuffle like hold his cards to his chest, if you will, because it seems. And and again, it it shows like like it, you know Blake Snell still a free agent. There's so many guys that are still free agents that as much as Scott Boris likes to drag on for his clients to make the most money, I don't know if things are just kind of going their way or not. And maybe owners owners and teams or uh, front offices of teams across the league are taking advantage of that. So yeah. I think that and Isaiah kind of uh, kind of Falafa saying how much you know he had interest to play these different <laughs> positions, but still chose Toronto. I think that's really cool too. Because it kind of shows, like, especially since, you know, the John Heymans of the world are saying Toronto's such a small market team outside, you know, just unless it's hockey, right? Like, you know, this BS, right? Like, this yeah. Toronto's got a lot of really good qualities. And I've spoken to many prospects. Like, I, I talked to Landon Moratis, Blue Jays prospect from, from uh, draft last year. He visited Toronto, and he had n- absolutely nothing but great things to say. He was like, I, this city's fantastic. It's 
the Rogers Center. He even said the Rogers Center was fantastic. Like these are, there's nothing wrong with the city of Toronto other than people thinking it's great that teams can just spend a bajillion dollars. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's uh, it's super interesting. I mean, obviously, it's it's nice to hear IKF say that. Hopefully, we get another signing here in the the next couple of weeks, so we could get another press conference and uh, hear a little bit more. <laughs> um, before I let you go, I'd be remiss not to get in a little bit of uh, Canadian baseball talk here. Um, I'm curious for, for you kind of, I mean, non blue Jays specifically, but, uh, kind of looking at, um, Canadian baseball coming into this year. Um, I, I got just two questions for you. Who are you most looking forward to watching this year? And who is the Canadian that you're expecting to jump onto radars in 2024? That might not be kind of on the public conscious at this point. So I'll start with your number two question first, because there's two, well, actually there's three players that that people in Canada should really take notice of. One is Denzel Clark with the Oakland Athletics. Um, he's he's didn't struggle last year, but he he dealt with some injuries and that kind of kept him off the field. But that guy's ready to to contribute for the big league club this year. He's got all the tools that you look for. He did really, you know, he he was with the the World Baseball Classic Team Canada. He did well uh, given you know this the year that he had, um, or sorry, prior going in, but really got a lot of really good tools um just all around good player he's got the athletic genes his, his parents were both athletes right so um him and then owen casey out with the cubs uh he was like one of their top minor league prospects um i don't think he's gonna make the big leagues this year he might get towards the end of the year uh potential look but that dude absolutely hits like just hits like he's got such a nice swing like it's it flows so well and the power that he has too like he just He's he's such an interesting prospect to watch, and he's just got that power. Um, third is Tyler Black on the Milwaukee Brewers. He's he was their like consensus like top prospect last year, the guy that just made headway, right? Um, oh, I'm gonna add a fourth because I can't. Um, <laughs> um, Tyler Black. So Tyler Black, um, absolute monster prospect. He's I hundred percent gonna think uh, you know barring anything substantial, he's gonna make the team this year. At some point, he's going to be at the big league level, and I think that guy's just going to hit his way, like no tomorrow. And I th- and lastly, I'll round it out with the Blue Jays guy, Damiano Pelomajani, absolutely nicest guy ever. Um, he's worked so hard. He's always been a good hitter. Like even when he was at a college of Southern Nevada when he got drafted, he was he broke so many like school records <laughs> for for what he was able to do, and he's now carried that over. And now we're seeing him make the adjustments on the defensive side that are really going to set him apart, I think. And that's why, you know, if, if you talk to anybody who kind of follows Blue Jays prospects, like Helen and Johnny, like is one of the top five guys last year who took such huge strides for his game to put himself where he is in a position that he's, a, so he, he's going, he's likely going to big league camp next year. He's going to get some at bats against top guys in, in spring training. And, you know, it's, I think a lot of fans are going to come out of spring training going, wow. Where did he come from? And that's and that's awesome to see because he's he's still, he wasn't born in Canada, but he grew up in in BC, so we call him Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I think from a prospect, I think my heart says Joey Votto because Joey Votto is in the twilight of his you know twilight of his career. He's got well, probably like one more season left in him, but he is so close to overtaking Larry Walker in like three or four offensive categories to be the top Canadian. And I think that would just be really cool to see him finish off that way. You know, Larry Walker is such a great 
Canadian ambassador for for baseball and such a good hitter and such a good player. And to see Votto up there in that upper echelon too, I think would be really great to see. Um, I don't think a full season at them would break the home runs, but he's like not far away from doubles and hits, anything like that. So my heart says my heart says him. And then I think, uh, you know, you, you got the Vladdy Guerreros, you got the Jordan Romanos and everything like that. Um, oh, it's a tough, I think, I think James Paxton has a big year. Yeah. Don't know why. I think, <laughs> I think he shakes off the injury bug and just finds a way to absolutely shove this year. I have no rhyme or reason other than I just feel like it. <laughs> I was I was at the game in, in Toronto when he pitched against the Jays, where he was absolutely no dicing. Uh, not the no, sorry, the one this past oh. season, not the no hitter. Oh, okay, but, uh, <laughs> but no, like honestly, like of all the guys that I saw at the Rogers Center last year, like he was probably like stuff wise, like one of the more impressive pitchers yeah. that came in. And like when he's on, it's crazy. Yeah, he's just he's just been hurt, right? Like yeah. you can't can't pitch when you're hurt, and you know it's just he needs. If he can just have that one or two seasons of like just being able to stay healthy, like that guy is, it's why the Mariners, pick, you know, drafted him, right? Yeah. Like back in the day. Well, the Blue Jays did too, but that didn't go well. But, <laughs> right. Like that's why the, the Mariners took him at such a high pick. Right? Like they knew what he was capable of. And he showed that before. It's just when you can't stay healthy, like can you do, right? Yeah. Yeah. Always tough. Well, um, that'll do it for us here today at the Bird's Eye View podcast. Tyson. Thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate you uh, stepping in and uh, and helping us out here. Thanks for letting me talk for probably <laughs> way too long. <laughs> it was awesome. That's uh, Tyson. You can find his work at Just Baseball, Jays Nation, and Canadian Baseball Network. And you can find him on Twitter or X, whatever you prefer, at Tyson underscore MLB. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at warden underscore Zach. The pod is at BEV underscore pod. We're on YouTube. We're on Substack. Uh, thanks so much for listening and we'll catch you next week.